Hello, and welcome to the Faith and Sustainability Podcast. I am your host, Leonard Robinson. This podcast is a project of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Atlanta, Laudato Si Initiative. On this podcast, we will go on a journey to explore the role of the Catholic Church and other faiths impact in sustainability. Experts, theologians, and thought leaders will share their opinions and perspectives as guests on the podcast. Sustainability focuses on meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs. The concept of sustainability is composed of three pillars, social, environmental, and economic, also known as people, planet, and prosperity. This podcast is made possible with the generous funding and support from the Archbishop's Annual Appeal, Georgia Interfaith Power and Light, Rutherford Seidel, Jamie Lanier, the Volomoff Family Foundation, the Sustainable Environmental Management Company, St. Francis Services, and the time, treasure, and talent from several individuals. The Faith and Sustainability Podcast is coming to you from the Archdiocese of Atlanta Chancery in Smyrna, Georgia. We're blessed to have Cody Norad on today's episode of Faith and Sustainability. Cody serves as Executive Director of the Georgia Interfaith Power and Light, or we call it Gipple. He holds a Master's of Divinity from the Candler School of Theology at Emory University with concentrations in justice, peace building and conflict transformation, theology and ethics, and human rights. He also serves on the Board of Directors for the National Interfaith Power and Light as the Southeast representative on the National Interfaith Power and Light's Network Steering Committee. In his free time, Cody enjoys playing Dungeons and Dragons, painting miniatures and terrain pieces, and singing karaoke almost every Wednesday. I'm gonna have to catch that. He also enjoys swing dancing and used to run a poetry art co-op here in Atlanta. Gipple has been a valuable partner for the Archdiocese of Atlanta Laudato Si Initiative. We'll hear more about that later in the show. Welcome on the Faith and Sustainability podcast, Cody. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, what exactly is Gipple and what do they do? Sure, it's a great question. Very simply, Georgia Interfaith Power and Light is an organization that's been around for 20 years, equipping faith communities and congregations across the state of Georgia to address issues of environmental justice and climate change. So we do that in three primary ways. We do grassroots organizing, where we help stand up green teams and congregations. We help support about 100 of those teams across the state. Those are teams that are dealing with their local community, uh, trying to find local solutions to their environmental problems. Uh, we help equip congregations with uh, sustainability and climate solutions on site. Some of what we're doing with the Archdiocese, where we do professional energy efficiency programs, rooftop solar programs. We do programs on EV charging stations, zero waste, and are piloting a land use program right now. And then we also do some advocacy and environmental justice work to really get at the systemic injustices um, when it comes to the environment. Well, that's a full plate. It really is. <laughs> that's a full plate. Okay, well, how many different faiths does Gipple serve? Yeah, we serve, well, we are an interfaith organization, so we serve any congregation and faith community across the spectrum and even spiritual communities who might not necessarily describe themselves as a faith community. Um, but we have well over 30 faith traditions that we work with. I would say those are denominations and distinct faith traditions. On our board of directors, we have about 11 faith traditions and denominations represented. And so when you think about Georgia, it's a, it's a really diverse state. Mm -hmm. You know, we have places like Clarkston, which is one of the most diverse square miles in the country. 
um, tons of different faith traditions from abroad. We've got Atlanta, the metro area, which has tons of different people from across the state, tons of different major faith traditions, and then all across Georgia, obviously, every community has a different expression of this. There are over 15,000 houses of worship across Georgia, so uh, quite a few congregations to work with and quite a few communities to organize. Well, all those congregations and, and different faith and all the things that you do, how big is Gipple? How big is your staff? That's a great question. We have around um, five or six full-time staff and a couple of part-time staff. We've got most of our uh, program team. We've got a program director, a program coordinator, and a program associate all dedicated to helping green teams develop and implement these practical climate solutions. We actually just hired um, a coastal organizer, a coastal outreach and resiliency coordinator, and we'll be seeking to put some staff down in South Georgia as well um, because we really do want to work with communities where they are. We like for congregations to lead um, with the community in mind, so we want to have people there that can help service those communities. So everybody multitask, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> well, faith is a full-time job. Yeah, it, it is. It is. And, uh, and how did you get involved with Gipple? What, what led you to Gipple? <laughs> oh, a winding path of ministry for sure. I, uh, I originally, I grew up in LaGrange, Georgia, so I'm Georgia born and raised. Um, I left to uh, pursue a degree in religion. Uh, I wanted to do full-time pastoral ministry. I started preaching when I was in high school down in LaGrange. And um, after doing that for several years, sort of fell in love more with social justice ministries. So started to do some work around food justice, started to do some work around immigration, started to do some work around peace and conflict. And so that's what really what led me to do a Master's of Divinity at Candler School of Theology, where uh, the majority of my work was centered on peace building and conflict transformation. And from that, did a lot of studying about um, conflicts undergirded by religious extremism. Also got to go abroad a little bit and work with some communities that were um, in conflict. And from that, I just realized um, how integral resource depletion and environment and climate are to conflict and that actually most of the world's conflict is undergirded by some sense of resource depletion due to climate change or due to mismanagement. Um, if you really want to have a peaceful world, people need to have clean water and clean air good land, you know, they want their kids to be taken care of. And so um, when I came back, I was really interested in trying to figure out how we could be at peace with one another and at peace with the land through working on issues of environment. And how long have you been at Gipple? I got hired um, as the Director of Programs and Policy in 2017 at Gipple. So I have been there uh, since then. So what is that, six years, I think, <laughs> something like that. Okay. I bet it seems a lot longer than that. It does. I took over as executive director in 2020 during the pandemic. And so each of those years counts as two, I think. <laughs> well, you answered part of it, but what else did you do before Gipple? Before there was a Gipple, you know, before you went to Gipple, what did you do? I was really interested in, um, like I said, trying to work on conflict, and I had been interested in trying to work with faith communities on justice issues, so kind of floated around and did a whole bunch of different things, but I knew that the whole time that I was really interested in the environment. For me, um, I was always struck by this tension where the climate crisis was one of the most intersectional issues of our time. It's definitely one of the most important things that faith communities should be working on, and I think coming from the Christian tradition, it was often and treated like there were some people who were supposed to work on environment, care for creation, right? There were some people who in your church might plant some trees. Um, there was people in your church who might do a cleanup every now and then, and that's all well and good, but it very much was talked about like it's a side thing. You know, there's the core of the gospel, and then there are all these kind of fringe things that you can do, environment being one of them. Um, and for me, throughout the story of Scripture, what I saw was environment over and over and over and over and over again, that the root call for 
Christians and people of faith was to care for the garden and to make sure that that was done well. And if that was done well, that, that justice would flow through from that. What does a typical day look like for you at Gipple? Or is there such thing as a typical day? <laughs> you know, uh, there isn't such thing as a typical day. I guess a typical day is coming down and doing a podcast. And, uh, <laughs> you know, earlier today we were meeting with the congregation and walking their grounds and thinking about what sustainable solutions that they might put in place. So for us, um, you know, it's it's often getting outside the walls of the office. A lot of our work is building relationships with communities. You know, we want um, communities to, to bring up what they want to work on. And so what that requires is being out in the field and building relationships with people. So what it looks like for me is meeting with congregations, thinking about what creative solutions we can put on the ground. Again, our um, our mission is statewide, and there are a lot of different communities statewide that need a lot of different things. So uh, managing our team, who is really dedicated and out in the field to developing those relationships and solutions. Um, I still do a lot of our policy work, especially at the Public Service Commission, really advocating for energy justice. Um, city of Atlanta and many communities across Georgia have some of the highest energy burden in the nation. And so making sure that we work on issues related to policy that we can see some systemic justice roll down. And then I also do uh, our fundraising work and come on podcasts and get to hang out with cool people like you. <laughs> oh, I pre- appreciate the kind words there. Okay. Well, now we're getting into some more uh, direct things. What caught your attention for the uh, Archdiocese of Atlanta Laudato Si initiative? You know, how did you get engaged with uh, uh, Archdiocese of Atlanta? Well, it's a good question. Right when I came on the Gipple team in 2017, Georgia Interfaith Power and Light was pioneering a pilot project with the Archdiocese on sustainability. So getting a handful of congregations to participate in energy and water audits and think about how can we conserve the most energy and water at our physical locations. Again, it was a pilot program. So the idea was, let's see what can happen. Um, And we got a lot of really good results from that program. I think we learned a lot too. Um, But ultimately what happened was that the Archdiocese decided to fully commit on that, to continue to work across the entire diocese to get cohort after cohort, year after year, to come through this program to think about how much energy are we using, how much water are we using, what are renewable energy sources that we can put in place, are we using our land in the right way, how can we be the best stewards, how can we be the best neighbors in our community. So really for us, it was both um, the archdiocese made a commitment to that and we wanted to be a faithful partner to that. You know, there have been a lot of people along the way, including yourself, uh, Brian Savoie, uh, Susan Varlamov for a very long time helped lead Gipple and helped get us into uh, this work with the Archdiocese. Obviously, her work on the action plan was significant, and um, Susan used to serve on the board of directors for Gipple and was super helpful in helping to start this program. And I think especially with um, the Archdiocese's reputation and the amount of congregations that we're talking about, right, both with Laudato Si theologically being the reason why, the founding theological reason why um, Catholic parishes should care about this issue, but also that uh, many Catholic Catholic parishes have the resources and the land to really make a huge impact when it comes to climate and when it comes to environmental justice. You know, when you spoke at the uh, Laudato Si workshop, I knew that you were doing audits with us, but also you you train care for creation uh, teams as well. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, green teams, we really say, or these creation care teams or sustainability teams, kind of whatever you want to call them. They're um, committees run by lay leaders and faith communities. We really see that as the heartbeat of the work. We say green teams are the heartbeat of everything that we do. Um, Ultimately, what, what we believe in is local leaders, people from their own community, 
they know what they need best, right? So they can lead those initiatives in their congregations the best. So what we do is provide free staff coaching. If there's a new green team or a green team that wants to relaunch, we'll provide a free staff coach um, to meet with them once a month for 12 months to help get them started. We'll provide event support. We'll provide a framework for uh, how to get started. Um, and then, like I said, we support over 100 of these teams across the state. So we check in with them and we help just ask them, what's the next project that you want to tackle? What's the next thing that you want to do? So most of our work is dedicated to supporting green teams. And we believe that, you know, if you looked across our green team network right now, every single congregation would be doing something slightly different because they sit in a slightly different community. They have a slightly different uh, type of work that they're trying to do. They have slightly different challenges. So many of them participate in our car programs like our energy efficiency audits and our water audits. Many of them are pursuing things like rooftop solar, but they're also pursuing um, really interesting, unique, and, and new programs like could we convert 30% of our congregational lands to be a forest? What about if we put in pollinator gardens? Should we think about putting in EV charging stations? You know, so they're all just taking the next step. What's the next step when we think about what's the impact that we can make in our communities? Um, that's that's the question that I think faith communities just have to ask. It doesn't matter whether you're uh, you're a hopeful green team, you haven't even started yet, or you're a green team that's been around for 10 years. It's always coming back to the table in ministry and saying, so what's next? What's the, what's the next thing that we can do? Well, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, kind of the future, um, as we look into the green tea leaves, where do you see Gipple five, three to five years from now? <laughs> well, um, I see us continuing to grow. I mean, like I said, 15,000 houses of worship across Georgia is a lot of congregations. You know, I think we've worked with about 500 congregations across Georgia over the 20-year history um, in different ways. So there's a lot of work to be done. Um we feel like it's important for us to continue to raise up organizers across the state. You know, when we think about the issues that faith communities are facing in South Georgia and Valdosta, they're super different from what faith communities are experiencing in Nacoochee uh, or Blairsville. It's super different than coastal flooding and disaster preparedness on the coast in Savannah and in Brunswick, right? So we believe that we need people on the ground dedicated to providing that sort of support. So we're placing an organizer on the coast. We'll be placing an organizer in South Georgia. I think we want to continue to grow the support for those teams so that um, each community has programs that are designed for them. You know, so I see us having fully functional coastal resilience and disaster preparedness programs and really starting to think about congregations as resiliency hubs. You know, we are, um, I could I could preach, but I won't. Uh, but <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but where are people called to build arcs? Um, that's what congregational spaces can become when we're talking about the climate crisis. You know, where are people that over and over and over again in the midst of trying times and challenges, God calls to build solutions. And what we can do is create these arcs, these resiliency hubs in communities with solar and batteries and edible landscapes and water storage tanks so that we can really withstand the brunt of climate change that's coming. And we can provide the support to those in our communities who, who can't build that support or might need extra support. How important is it to have the pastor of the congregation on board with your different projects? You know, how important is it to have the pastor? <laughs> Incredibly important. Um, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of this work, you know, it's, it's also a, a backup because you asked about projects, but I think even before then, you know, 
it's all about the stories that we tell, right? That's where our values come from. So if we want to talk about why people should care about climate change or environmental justice, we know that just talking about facts and figures and numbers doesn't actually convince anybody's mind. That's not how we organize our life by data. We organize it by stories. What matters to us? What speaks to us? How do we assign value to stories and symbols? And there is no better professional storytellers in the world than priests and clergy. That's what we do. That's all religion is, is storytelling about what matters. We gather together every week and we say, what matters? What should we talk about? So what faith leaders can do is they can get that fabric into the congregation. If, if we're not preaching about why environment is core to the gospel, if we're not talking from the pulpit about why caring for neighbor through protecting creation is an important core value of what it means to be a person of faith, then no one's ever going to get it because they're never getting the story. So I would just say, first up, one of the most impactful things that faith leaders can do is talk about it. Talk about the theology of environment and creation care and why that matters and why it doesn't matter as a side issue, but it is the fabric of what we're called to do. I mean, creation shows up in, I said that I wouldn't preach, but I will a little bit. Um, (laughs) Creation shows up throughout all of scripture. It's in, of course, it's the first commandment. If you ask folks, what are the commandments? And they say the 10, they missed it. That's not it. It's in the garden when God says, take care of this place. And God creates a whole bunch of stuff and calls it good and has a longer relationship with it before human beings are made. And then throughout scripture, we just see over and over and over again. It's, It's the miracles of the parting of the Red Sea. It's breaking open stones in the desert to get water. It's manna from heaven. It's all of the parables are littered with agrarian references. And then at the end of the story, what we get is the throne of God with clean water coming from it. That's the promise. It's the beginning of the story and the end of the story is that people have good, clean water and a garden and a city grown up together and food and fellowship and safety and good, clean air. So all that stuff's there. So I would say the theology for sure. But then I would say, you know, we want lay people to lead the work because we know how much faith leaders have on them. Um, we want people in the community to care about the work and grab onto that and drive those projects. Um, but they need to have the, the support of church boards and faith leaders to really bless them in that work and that it's not a side thing, but it's something that is really a heartbeat of the congregation and that they know that they have the support of their faith leader, I think, is critical. <laughs> yeah, very, very, very critical. Now, here's a two-part question. Sure. What does sustainability mean to you, and how does your faith impact your perspective of sustainability? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I mean, sustainability, I think, generally to me means the ability to um, exist with a really low footprint, um, to put in place practices that will continue to pay off and continue to be used. That includes materials such as buying things that will last um, for the purpose which they're made, or if they can't last and they break, that they can be fixed or recycled, right? So there are things like that, thinking about the whole life cycle. But I think generally, I I think that we have to start moving from sustainability to other things. I I think actually sustainability is um, maybe losing its usefulness as a term. And I think that we need to start thinking about resiliency. So we know that climate impacts are coming. If we stopped all of the carbon dioxide and methane gas going in the atmosphere today, we stopped all greenhouse gases, we would still have years and years and years of impacts coming down the line because we know that it takes time for those things to happen. So right now what we can do is prepare because we will – there's going to be some hard stuff that's got to be done. We're going to lose some coastline. We already know that. We know what cities are at risk from flooding, and that's going to be the case if we stop everything today. 
right? So, um, so resiliency, thinking about what, what should we save and how can we build systems that'll protect and care for the most people, I think is a question. And then justice, environmental justice. How can we ensure that the most impacted communities, those that are low income, historically disadvantaged, marginalized communities across Georgia can bear the fruits uh, or bear the benefits, I should say, of a lot of the sustainability work that's going on, right? So these 100% clean energy plans are putting in resiliency hubs or things like that. How can we make sure that those are actually benefiting those that are bearing the brunt of climate? So when I think about sustainability, I think um, it's, it's a it's a trampoline that we should jump on so that we can get to justice and so we can get to resiliency. Okay, and that, that goes along with your faith. You know. Definitely. Uh, what is a call to action you can give our listeners? Yeah, well, I would say um, we always provide very easy onboarding ramps for people to take action. So if you go to um, gipple.org slash action, you'll see two different things. So we like to always have a federal ask and a state ask. So right now, what we're working on is the federal government and the EPA has a really unique opportunity to pass uh, restrictions and regulations around coal-fired power plants and natural gas power plants. So this hasn't been done before. And so this is about the amount of pollution that's coming out of those plants. So this is a huge opportunity to make impact. And so if you go to that gipple.org slash action, you'll be able to make a comment and sign a petition to submit to the EPA for the strongest possible um, regulations around those plants. We have many coal-fired power plants and natural gas plants here in Georgia that are in communities, and that air quality is directly affecting the lungs of children, the lungs of elderly folks, the, the lungs of all of us that are just happen to be walking around when they're making power, right? So that's a really important issue, not just for energy and climate, but it's also a public health issue. It's also a justice issue, right? It's affecting all of us. The other ask is at the same place, gipple.org slash action, you'll see our, our state action, which is to protect the Okefenokee Swamp. Um, it's a historic, uh, wondrous, I would say, a holy site in South Georgia. It's one of the largest blackwater swamps around. Um, it's a natural wonder that there's a proposed mine in. So we, right at the edge of the mine, so uh, right at the edge of the swamp. So we have been working with people of faith in particular because we think that it is a remarkably unique place. It is, when you paddle through the Okefenokee Swamp or you sit at the edge of it, there is no doubt in my mind that that's the wildness of God, that you can feel the breath of the Holy Spirit in a wild place like that. That's what the, that's what the garden was like. I think. And when we talk about, you know, Paul says that it's possible if people never heard the gospel that you could you could glean the, um, the attributes of God from looking around in creation. That's the other way that you could gain access to the gospel. And that's got to be the kind of place that he's talking about. Well, well, that was an excellent, excellent answer. Give us the website again, and then how can people get in touch with you? Absolutely. So our website is www.gipl.org. So Georgia Interfaith Power and Light, gipl.org, and then slash action. So that website slash action is how you get to those action pages I was talking about earlier. And on that website, all of our contact information is there. You can get in touch with us. You can email any of the program staff. You can email me. My email address is C-O-D-I, Cody, at G-I-P-L.org, and I'd be happy to answer anybody's questions. I bet you get a lot of emails. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, th- you know, thank you so much for coming on the show, and thank you for, you know, sharing the things that you shared with. Uh, do you, you know, where do you worship at? That's a great question. So I, um, I think the 
the best part of my job is being able to worship with different communities most Sundays and be in faith communities either preaching or teaching or listening and learning about what faith communities are doing. But I bounce. I'm a, I bounce between Park Avenue Baptist and First Baptist of Decatur right now. Um, but historically, I've been at Park Avenue Baptist, and that's why I played drums for many, many years and, and very much love that worshiping community. Oh, well, you know, thank you so much for all that you do and all that your staff does. And thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing with us. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you to the Archdiocese for taking this issue seriously. You've been listening to the Archdiocese of Atlanta Faith and Sustainability Podcast from the Chancery at the Archdiocese in beautiful Smyrna, Georgia. On behalf of those that make this podcast possible, I am your host, Leonard Robinson. Meet me next week on the corner of faith and sustainability. May the Lord be with you. The preceding podcast is a production of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Atlanta. Copyright 2023.